Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. And uh, Happy New Year to you, Freedom Church, in the studio here. Happy New Year to you. Uh, Happy New Year to you, those watching locations, Abbotswood, Abbey Hall, Bracefield. I hope you're having a great time wherever you are. If you're watching at home, live or on catch-up, it's really good. Happy New Year to all of you as we start 2022. Um, I want to begin this year. Um, I was about to say if it's okay, it doesn't really matter because I'm speaking and you're just listening, but I want to start by being a a bit personal. I want to talk about some of my personal challenges and reflections over this last season. Um, Every summer, um, I tend to take the month of August as a bit of a sort of a change of rhythm. Uh, I try to spend time with family, get some holiday in, uh, read more books and just change with my normal routine. And, and then the idea, the plan is that you come back in the September refreshed, raring to go, new ideas. And every year for 20 plus years of my ministry, that's been the story. And yet last September, I came back after my sort of August change of rhythm month. I had nothing. I, I, felt, I felt more exhausted than when I'd gone away. I felt tired. I felt drained. I felt empty. I felt like I'd, I was looking for the horizon, I couldn't see it. And as a leader, you're always trying to work out where, where are we going, what's happening next? And for me personally, I was thinking, what, what am I called to? What am I meant to be doing? Is this really where I'm meant to still be? And I had loads of questions. And I remember feeling like it was I'd, I'd climbed a mountain and got to the top and realised we hadn't reached the top, that there was another mountain hidden behind the first one. And, and I was just feeling like exhausted. I've normally got new ideas and the team are saying, right, come on, Sim, September, what's your big plan? And I was like, I've got, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. And I felt for them because they were hoping I'd come up with some brilliant idea and I just said, you're going to have to help me out here because I don't have anything. And I remember that time praying to God and I prayed God a very specific prayer. I said, God, I'm done. I said, I'm, I'm finished. I'm, 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 I'm exhausted. I'm just done. And uh, you might find this funny, I didn't at the time, uh, but I felt God say to me, good, about time too. <laughs> I was like, what do, you mean, what do you mean good about time too? He's like, well, maybe now I can have a go. And there's this lovely quote that Billy Graham said. He said this, when we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. That's good, isn't it? When we come to the end of ourselves, we come to the beginning of God. We run out of what we've got naturally. Then God and his supernatural power gets to kick in. And in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at a lot of Matthew 5 and 6 and 7 in the next few weeks. The Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus um, is there. It says in verse 1 and 2, Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds. He climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed climbed with him. I love that sentence. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. With less of you, there is more of God. How often have I made it more about me than I have about God? How often have I squeezed God to the edges while I've exhausted myself trying to do things in my own strength? The truth is I still feel tired today. I I feel better than I was, but I I still feel tired physically. 
I think it's a weird season we're all living in. It's gone on for a lot longer than any of us thought it would do. And here I am speaking to a camera in a studio and I'd much rather be in a room with all of you. I'd much rather be able to see you and look you in the eyes and make sure you know it's okay. We can connect as human beings. And this is a very strange way to do community, but I want you to know that I may feel tired, but I'm learning new ways to lean into God, to lean into him and his strength, to regularly remind myself it's his church. It's his church. It's not mine. It's his. It's God's church. There's a story in Acts chapter 27 where Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, is on his way to Rome and he has been taken to go to, to court to be uh, tried. And um, he is there with soldiers and sailors and, and all those uh, people on board this boat. And they are in a, a shipwreck situation. A storm is coming and the boat is in disarray. And he gathers all the people together. And he says them to these words, he says, the ship is going down, the ship will be broken. He said, but don't worry, not a soul will be lost. Not a soul will be lost. And when I heard that story again last year, I remember thinking, sometimes we've spent so much time trying to look after the ship that we've forgotten about the people that are God's first love. And my job, our job is not to save the church, the, the organisation. Our job is to save souls, to focus our attention on people and how they are doing, to care for them. Maybe today you echo those words of, I'm done. You feel finished, you feel empty. I've talked to so many people this last season who are struggling in their faith, who have struggled to get to church, who've got out of the routine, the habit of attending church, who haven't picked up their Bible in months, who struggle to pray, who feel like God is miles away from them. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you echo some of the things I've mentioned. Maybe you feel like you're drifting in your faith. Back in uh, probably June last year, uh, a lady in our church, some of you will know her, Gwen Robinson, uh, she said, I've got a prophetic word I'd like to share with you. And uh, I sat down with her and she shared this word. She was very kind. She said, I've got a word for the church. It's not just for Freedom Church, it's for the whole church. It's the wider church. But honestly, I think it was for Freedom Church as well. And she said, it's a bit like we are just making artificial grass and we're making something that looks fantastic and never needs mowing. Now, that sounds fantastic to me because I'm thinking the idea of never having to mow your lawn sounds brilliant. Um, but the idea of having artificial grass that doesn't ever grow, that isn't unique, that never changes, that never adapts, that never, um, you know, there's nothing going on beneath the surface. It's just static and it's like a facade. And he said the church has become like an artificial grass. And it needs to be full of life again full of life and I realised that she was right as I processed some of this stuff last autumn I remember thinking yeah I think Gwen you've got an absolute nail on the head that as the western church we've sometimes been so focused on the shiny outer exterior that we've forgotten the purpose of what we're about and I was at a conference last uh, November and a guy came on the, the main stage and he was carrying a red helium balloon it was quite a, a very obvious visible image and he held this red helium balloon up and he said this is like the church pre-covid and we were all impressed by the big and the shiny. And then along came COVID and he got a pin out. And he said, it's a bit like this. And we, the pin pricked the balloon and everything burst. And he said, and it feels like the church leads have run around trying to pick up the pieces of helium balloon to stick them back together, to try and put it back as it used to be. But the truth is it will never be the same. And maybe the red shiny thing was never the thing we we're meant to be living for. 
Instead, there are more important things right at the heart of the church, the people of God, God's people who he loves so much. And this is something I want us to be challenged about as, as, a, as a church, as a family, as a community. Yes, it's broader. Yes, it's, there is a westernization of church that's taken place. Yes, that, you know, the, the lockdown hasn't helped us. You know, we've, we've gone online and we've become more consumer driven. You know, when we watch online, we get choices. Do I watch it now? Do I watch it later? Do I fast forward the bits I don't like? Maybe this bit you're fast forwarding right now. Um, you can choose, do I, what do I do? Do I go to another church? Do I watch someone else? Do I download a different message? We've got options because we can choose. And we've reduced church to a watching armchair sport rather than the family of God. It was never meant to be watching. We were never meant to come to church to watch or turn church on to watch. It was meant to be a community of believers, of people that loved Jesus and wanted others to learn to love him too. That's what church is meant to be about, a vibrant community that makes a difference to everyone they come across. Whenever we sit and watch things for long enough, we become frustrated. I know that as an Arsenal uh, football fan, it can be very frustrating sitting in my lounge watching the TV and shouting at the TV like that's going to help at all because I'm frustrated because I just think, if you could just do this, just pass it, just, just score a goal, how difficult can it be? And I get frustrated. Why? Because I'm not able to make any difference. I can't change what's going on on the pitch because I'm just watching, I'm observing, I'm looking, but I have no control over what is happening in that place. And the same way with the present crisis we're in is we often are people who are watching, we're unable to make a change. We can't change what we're seeing. And we get so frustrated, it can actually affect us. Rather than affecting the things we're frustrated about, it affects the way we're operating. It can cause anxiety, worry about our health. We can get isolated and then our echo chamber kicks in and we start overthinking things. And we go on our news apps and we look at our devices and we get more and more worried and frustrated. I remember there was a moment where I went to get my booster at the uh, Crossfield Hall here in Romsey in the town centre. And it was early on in the, in the booster kind of vaccine rollout. And I went in and I was running a bit late, which... Many of you will know that's not unusual. I was running a bit late and I arrived. This lovely volunteer said to me, oh, I'm so sorry. We've got a bit of a backlog of people waiting. You'll have to join the queue. And about 20 people were in front of me. And I thought I'd just rock up and because, you know, come on, I'm just here. Vaccinate me, off we go. And I had to sit and I had to wait. And they said, when we're finished, you're going to have to sit in those chairs there for 15 minutes just to make sure there's no reaction to your vaccine. And I, I'm glad I was wearing a face mask because everything in me just wanted to say something. I wanted to react. I wanted to kind of get, do, do you know how important my time is? I've got a place I need to go and I wanted to say something. And I had to talk myself down and say, Sim, this person is a volunteer. They're kindly giving up their time. They're trying to help you with a vaccine that will protect you from a virus. Be a big boy and sit down. And I had just to grit my teeth. And I thought, what is going on in of me, inside of me, that I am prepared to lash out as someone who's being helpful. What goes on? Because we become frustrated when all we can do is watch. And in times of crisis, leaders can get isolated. People get frustrated. God gets ignored. And the enemy has a field day. And we've got to watch ourselves during times of difficulty and challenge. There's a good example of this in 1 Samuel 30. In 1 Samuel 30, there's this really strange story of David before he becomes a king, King David, as he was about to be. And he's, he's there with his 600 outlaws. Um, 
King Saul has kicked him out and uh, David is now living away from the palace and he's got a little kind of band of outlaws. And they go out fighting and doing battles and trying to win wars and they really are sort of mercenaries, I suppose, for sale. And there's this moment where they go out and they come back after their successful battle, they come back to their hometown of Ziklag and when they arrive back in 1 Samuel 30, all of their houses and their village they live in has been decimated and burnt to the ground. Behind their back, someone has come in and taken all their wives and their children, all their cattle, all their crops, all their, or everything that belongs to them. It's all been removed. Everything's been burnt to the ground and all their possessions have been taken. At this point in 1 Samuel 30, we are told that they wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. They were facing a crisis. They were traumatised by what they saw. And then what happens, the men in uh, David's company turned and threatened to kill him. They turned and threatened to kill the guy they were actually gathering around because they thought he was the future king. When trauma comes to a community, people are very quick to want to find someone to blame for the circumstances they face. But here's the magic of the story. Listen to this, because in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, it says this, just six words. David strengthened himself in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. He could have reacted. He, he was also grieving. He could have been frustrated. His wife has, has gone, his children are gone. He could have just pushed back, but instead he strengthened himself in the Lord. That leaders can often be targets of people's frustration, even when they themselves are grieving. It can be a lonely path, but David goes to God because he has nowhere else to go. His strength is gone. His heart is broken. His family have been taken away. His team have turned against him, and now he turns to God. He says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. David's decision to turn to God in that moment was possibly a moment where it changed the future of the nation of Israel, where everyone was pointing at each other, looking for blame. David looked to God. He looked to him for his strength. Prayerful dependency is at the heart of a Christian in crisis. It should be at the heart of a Christian crisis. Prayerful dependency on God Seeking God in the darkest hour, that's what makes us different, to pushing into him. And I am leaning into God like never before. I've got nowhere else to go. I've got no clever answers. I've got no solutions. I've got off some packet somewhere, off some course somewhere. I haven't got that. All I've got is my heavenly father. And I'm choosing to spend time with him to read his word every day, to give him more of my attention, to be more committed to walking the way of Jesus, to help other people walk that way also. Um, I'm now throwing lots of Bible stories at you today, but here's another one for you from Ezekiel chapter 37. It's a well-known scripture um, where the prophet Ezekiel, it says here, the Lord took hold of me. And I was carried away by the Spirit of God to a valley filled with bones, a strange image. And, and the prophet Ezekiel is led around this valley, it's scattered with bones all over the valley floor. And it, the, God asks him, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says, I'm gonna put breath into you and make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. 
And as Ezekiel spoke those words out over these bones, the bones connected a bit weirdly, but it was a dream, it's not real. It's a bit, and these bones reconnected, and this kind of image of suddenly skeletons standing up. And then it says a bit later on, he says, and there's this, he speaks and a breath comes into their body. The breath of God is breathed and suddenly the bodies are reformed. And it says in quite great detail, if you're medical, you'll understand all this sort of stuff. But they start to reconnect um, to muscles and flesh were formed over the bone. Skin formed to cover their body. They still had no breath in them. And then suddenly the breath of God breathes and they come back to full life. The spirit of God the word of God, the, the logos is the word of God, the Bible, the words we can speak, that what God has said to us in the past. The ruach, the, the breath of God is what brings us hope and brings us alive. And in that image of Ezekiel 37, of dry bones becoming fully alive again, I wanna to speak to you today. If you are feeling some of the things that I've been talking about earlier today, I'm done, I'm tired, I'm finished, I'm not sure what the future holds, then the Spirit of God wants to speak faith into you, to breathe life into you once again. It's the Spirit of God that brings new life. It's His breath, it's His word. It's not about clever programs. It's not about clever ideas. It's not about even clever words. It's about God himself. And I guess as I wrap things up, I just want to take a moment to do something which for me is very difficult. <laughs> My family are here in the studio, so they'll, they'll agree to this. But I want to say, first of all, as, as, a, as a member of this church, I'm sorry. I'm sorry where sometimes I've got it wrong, where I've been so maybe working really hard to try and save the ship, that I haven't looked out for the people, that I've spent so much of my energy and time trying to put what I thought was good in place, and we've put energy and time into programmes and activities and courses. None of that is bad. But sometimes I'm sorry where I've been so busy trying to put those things into place that I've forgotten God's first love is always his people. It reminds me of the words Paul said in Philippians 3, when he lists out all of his incredible CV of things he's achieved, all the things he's done, and all the impressive kind of almost, uh, you know, letters to his name, as it were. And then he says this in Philippians 3, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And I want to say that's my story today. You know, those things are important. I've, I've been busy. I've, I've done all kinds of stuff the last few years. We've even written books and been at conferences and spent time and energy putting things together. But here's the thing. None of it is important without Jesus Christ and knowing him, Jesus our Lord. But I also want you to know this is Freedom Church. And if you're watching for someone else, you're really welcome to be with us. But this is really today for Freedom Church. I want to say to you that I am more committed than ever before to my faith in Jesus Christ. He is so important to me. This is why I do what I do is because, not because of a job or a career or a, a pay packet, but because of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. That's why I do it. I still believe he's, 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 he is the answer, the hope of the world. I still believe in the church. I still believe the church is the bride of Christ. And when it works right, it's amazing what the church can do and the difference it can make. I still believe even in our 
post-modern, post-Christendom, westernised, consumerist, selfish, me-first uh, world that we live in that wants everything tied up and tidy in a really short bullet-pointed statement. I want to say to you, I still believe in the God that created the heavens and the earth. And he did it all himself. Who knows how? But I know God did it. I believe in the God that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live on this earth, to live a life that changed uh, thinking for the last 2,000 years, who lived and died and rose again. I believe in the Holy Spirit that was sent in Acts chapter 2 and joined us and said, well, I want to be your comforter. I want to be the one that brings you strength. I believe in the Holy Spirit is still with us today and wants to transform your life and my life through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Through things like healing and prophecy and words of knowledge and, and, and speaking in tongues, I still believe in all those things. The fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace and patience. The important habits of daily discipleship, of reading our Bible with the quiet time is still a valuable thing to do. Spending time with God every single day, enjoying Him, being with Him through prayer, through silence, through Sabbath, through rest, through routine. Those things are important. I still believe in faith and family and community, that we need to belong to somewhere, to be part of something, to be part of a community that iron sharpens iron, that we are better when we are together. We are not healthy when we are separate and, and isolated from one another. I still believe in generosity, of giving, of being generous with what we've got, of being, uh, giving to others and not think of ourselves first, of believing in our, our money as a, as a useful tool to bring change around us, to be generous to those in need, to tithe to our local church. I still believe in that old-fashioned principle of giving our first fruits to God and his people, to love our neighbours ourselves, to, to serve others, to love others. Service is such an important attribute of our Christian faith and I'm still committed to caring for the poor and the needy through that way of being someone who lives sacrificially of wanting the best for others before myself which breaks so much of our cultural way of living it's called living the way of Jesus and I am still I'm still up for it I'm still up for living that way it's all about him it's not about us and when we get too much of us we start pushing God to the edges we become an unhealthy Christian, we become an unhealthy follower of Jesus, we become an unhealthy community, and I want us to push back into leaning more into God. I may be feeling done, but God is not. I may feel like I'm tired, but I'm not out. And I'm committing myself and Freedom Church to two things I want us to, to push into this year. Number one is, um, as Ben mentioned earlier, I want us to get the family back together. We've missed you. I've missed you. I've missed seeing you and being together. And we are gonna, we're working hard at finding ways of getting us all back together in the same room again for our church service at the weekend. We're committed to finding a way of doing that. We're going to do that this year. Even next week will be one of the first times this year at the URC, 4pm on the 16th of Jan. We'd love to see you there. We're going to do some uh, dedications, some children. We've got a lot of children who want to be dedicated. We've got a bit of a queue. But three families, hopefully next week, will be dedicating their children and celebrating becoming part of the family of God as up with us together. So do make that a priority. There'll be no locations, but come and join us as we get the family back together. But we're going to find a way of doing that every single week. We're committed to that and we're working hard on that. And we'll let you know a bit more maybe next week if all works out well. And the second thing is this area of discipleship. That it saddens me that I hear the stories of people who've struggled in their faith in this last season. 
And I want to be a church where people learn to walk the way of Jesus, that people understand what it means to live like Jesus, not just to hear, but to actually live it out day by day. And so we're starting on Wednesday here at the Freedom Centre. Um, we were going to be gathering under this idea of more Jesus. Simply, can we put more Jesus into our lives? Can we walk more like him? And so I encourage you to join us if you can. It will be online, on Zoom for those who want to join us and in person here at the centre. And we're going to find ways to walk more like Jesus together, around the person of Jesus, to gather as his family around Jesus, to learn more about him. That's our plan. And maybe you're thinking, well, what does this look like? What does this look like, Sim? It's all very good, but what does it look like? The truth is, I don't really know. I wish I did. I wish, you know what, I've relied so often on being sure of what the future looks like. I've been so uh, desperate just to know and have a plan, have a, a grid that I can fit all my plans into. But the grid for me is God himself. And I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is we need to gather and we need to learn about walking the way of Jesus. And as we do that as a church together, we'll work it out step by step, side by side as his family. It's going to be messy, but it's going to be real. It's going to be family. It, we are the body of Christ. That's what's important. Let's get the band up to give you a bit of hope that we're going to land this thing. Um, I mentioned a, a, a short scripture in my email to the church this week from 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And there's this moment where King Jehoshaphat is terrified because the armies, the enemies of the Lord are advancing upon him. And he's just desperate and he's frightened, he's fearful and he's worried and he's anxious. And it just says these simple words, he prays to God and he says this word, or these words, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That is my story. And I hope that's your story. I don't know what to do, but God, my eyes are on you. I'm turning my eyes and gazing full in your wonderful face, that the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, is a song we used to sing. And I'm committing to being someone who gives God my full attention. And I want to say, today as we wrap things up, maybe um, you are feeling like you're done today. Maybe as you have been listening, you're thinking, yeah, that's me. I feel like I'm done. I want to pray that you'd be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you resonate with that image of Ezekiel 37 and feel like I'm just like dry bones. I'm dried out. I'm empty. I have nothing. Maybe you need that, that breath of God, that word of God to encourage you, that breath of God to sustain you. And I encourage you right now, actually, where you are, maybe you just stand. If you're able to, to stand and just to start praying to God. Maybe to start asking God for whatever you need. He's the God who loves to give good gifts to his children. Take a moment just to stand in the locations and just to say, God, I feel dry. I feel done. I feel empty. Whatever the words work for you, maybe you're not in that place. And just start praying, God, would you fill me in you? Holy Spirit, would you breathe on me? And I pray wherever people are listening to this right now, would you, God, would you just work into their lives? Would you breathe in? Would you speak? Would you whisper in their ears words of encouragement? of all that you mean for them and who you, who you are to them, that they would know that you love them, that you care for them, that you're interested in every detail of their lives. Maybe you're feeling frustrated with the circumstances that you cannot control. It's outside of your ability and everything in you just wants to lash out 
And God, the God, the Holy Spirit wants to comfort you, to come alongside you, to remind you, yes, you're not in charge. God is in charge. And that's a great thing. That's a really good thing. God is in charge. God is an incredible God. We trust him. Maybe start praying to God, yeah, would you take away some of my frustrations, my fears, my anxiety, my worry. And lastly, maybe you feel today like you've lost your connection with your heavenly father. Maybe you're sitting here today or standing here today and just thinking, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm left on my own, that God is far from me. God is not far from you. God is close to you. God leans towards you. He whispers to you. He cares for you. He's interested in you. And you may feel distant, but God is there. And I encourage you right now to reach out to him, to speak to him through prayer. Maybe to hold your hands out and say, God, would you speak to me? Maybe just do that now where we are, just to hold our hands out. I'm going to pray for us as a community. Let's do that. Father God, I want to pray for all those watching today. I want to pray for all those who are feeling dry, empty, limited, who are feeling isolated, or maybe feeling frustrated by the circumstance they cannot control, or they may feel alone without you. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, would you breathe new life again? Would you breathe freshness again? Would you breathe hope again? That we may, as your followers, find a new energy, not in our own strength, but in the God who gives all good things to his children who love him. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Freedom Church. We head into 2022, and I look forward to seeing you next week. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.